So turn with me to Matthew 28. We're going to be in Matthew 28 this morning. There are Bibles on the end of your row if you need one, but we're going to be in Matthew 28. Typically, I have a chance on Sunday mornings to quick speed through my sermon one time, like a practice run. No time this morning. You're the practice run. So here it comes. Maybe a little bumpy. I may regret some stuff and come back next week and say, I didn't mean it that way. So we are talking about our what we believe is God's mission for us as a church, and that God calls us, that we exist, to glorify God by building together a community of spirit-filled disciples who are living on gospel mission. That is what we're about. We believe that the end of everything is God's glory. That's what we're aiming for. We want him to be magnified and glorified and people to see him in us as we live our lives and as we gather as a church and whether we scatter as a church. We want his presence and his, his fame to be known everywhere we go. And we do that as we build together as a community of people filled with the Spirit who go out with the gospel, which is the most important thing that we could do. And last week we talked about how we are to proclaim the gospel and we're to demonstrate the gospel, that we're to exclaim excellencies to one another. Have you guys done that this week? Was there proclaiming going on this week? I hope so. I heard there were some, and I'm sure there are probably way more than I'm aware of, just people proclaim the excellencies of Christ to one another. That's what we need. We need to hear that. We need to hear how great Jesus is if we're going to battle sin and endure the Christian life until the end. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to keep in this theme of wanting to stir you up to do the things I bet most of you already know how to do. You already know you want to do them. I mean, it doesn't happen most of the times when we gather, right, on Sunday. We're just telling each other what we know we should go do. We talk about how this is not the football game. This is, the football game's out there in the world. This is, this is the timeout, right? We're gathering the timeout. We're in our huddle. Okay, here's the plan. Here's what we're doing. Here's what God tells us to do. Now we're going to go do it. This is the game. This is where we get prepped to go do the game. And so this morning, that's what we're doing. I'm just going to remind you of a lot of things you've already known, especially if you've been with us for 10 years. Um, but we're going to go to Matthew 28 because this is where we find, I think, the clearest, most concise, yet complete version of God's mission for us as a church. So I want to read the whole chapter because I'm feeling very Easterish this morning. So let's get a little, let's get a little resurrection in our bones this morning. He is risen. He's risen. So let's read the story. I'm going to read it to you. And then we're going to look into this. Five little things it tells us about our mission this morning that I pray will bring us faith and courage. So, Matthew 28. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angels said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. 
So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, and said Tell people his disciples came by night and stole, away him, stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Praise, God. Praise God for the whole thing, especially for that one verse in verse 6. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Good news. Let's just go home now. All right, so let me see if I can get us through this morning this mission plan for us. I think there are five realities in this passage that help us, fuel us, guide us, shape our mission as a local church. And so we're going to walk through them this morning. The first one is this. I want you to know that this morning the mission is an, an authoritative mission. This is a mission that was given to us by God, not by Matt, not by pastors, not by leaders. This is from Jesus' own hands. So Jesus says, flat out in verse 18, all authority... In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Just notice it doesn't say some authority has been given to me. It doesn't say that Jesus has divided up the authority between him and us. He's got all the authority. That means he calls the shots. He tells us what to do. And it's not even limited just to us, but his authority is unlimited in location. It's, it's authority that he has in heaven and it's authority that he has on earth, which means no demon anywhere ever moves even half an inch apart from his will, apart from his knowing. He's in charge of every human. No human on earth has greater authority than he does. So everything that happens on earth, everything that happens in heaven is under his authority, under his hand. He rules over all things. And I love how Matthew, how God leads Matthew to develop the events in this story. Because he does this little compare and contrast thing, which I think is, is just so cool. This little story that's inserted here of what the guards and everybody are doing. So it says in verse 11 to 14 that there's all these people who have all kinds of authority. And he wants to compare that authority to Jesus' authority. So if you look at 11 to 14, you've got guards, right? You've got the, the jack dude with the sword there guarding tomb. You've got chief priests. Those are the religious leaders. They have a religious authority. The elders are there. They have decision-making authority. You have more soldiers there, probably flexing their muscles with their authority. You have the governor there who ultimately has authority over everyone else. So you've got all the collective authority here in Rome, religious and political. They're all together. And what are they using their authority to do? 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're sending out bad information, right? They're trying to get people to believe something that's not true, that his body got stole. That's what they're going after. And I love that there's almost like, a, you guys ever do a split screen? Maybe watch two sport events at one or use your computer for two things. There's like a split screen going on here. Because verse 11, you've got, it begins with while they were going. So you've got Mary and Mary going. And then you also have then all these other people with authority going. And you look at it and you go, okay, I got these two ladies who are going to tell one story. And I've got everybody in Rome who has authority going to tell another story. The women don't stand a chance. They don't. It's, it's, it's two ladies with no authority against all these leaders who have all the authority. And so you think it's game over. And so you come right out of that scene, the split screen. You've got the women going. You've got all the, all the leaders going. And the split screen starts to come to an end. They blur together. And then you get to Jesus saying, oh, no, no, no. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, the ladies are going to win. They've got the authority because it comes from Jesus. And he's got it because he did something to prove he has authority, something I've never done. I don't think anyone in this room has ever done. He conquered death. So he rises from the dead to prove I've got the authority to tell you what to do. And I kind of think it's good to give someone the authority over us when they conquer death, when they rise from the dead. It means they probably have one notch above me in some way. So I want to hear what they have to say. We, we want to listen to what Jesus has to say. So Jesus has all of the authority to tell us what to do. We don't make up our own mission. We don't make up our own plan. We say, Jesus, what are you saying? Tell us what to do. We want to be on the edge of our seat, ready to do what our resurrected Jesus tells us to do excited to do it, knowing he has the authority to tell us to do it, and he's got the authority to make it happen, to pull it all off in the end. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the uh, Mission Impossible movies. Is Tom Cruise always the main dude in that? Oh, he's always been? All right. So I, I love how it always is. It's a, what's, what's the saying? Um, so your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to, and this is what's happening here. Your mission should you choose to accept it, comes from the one who has ultimate authority in heaven and on earth and over your life. It's not ours to decide. And so then here he is. He's going to spell it out for us. So number two, it is a, you guys are not going to be surprised by any of the things I'm going to say this morning again, but here we go. It is a go disciple-making mission. So this is, the, this is just one of the next little points. We're going to build something here, but it is a go disciple-making mission. Jesus says, go therefore to all the world, make disciples of all nations. It's a go disciple-making mission. And we'll use the word disciple-making because that's what Jesus uses. And that is like the controlling verb to this whole thing. If you take that out, disciple-making, the, the whole sentence falls apart. The whole thing falls apart. So primarily the mission of the church is to glorify God by making disciples. That's it. We're to make disciples for the glory of God. So he's telling us here that those are the, that's what we are to do. And there's two rhythms. So I want you to look at verses, uh, what is it, 19 and 20. Look at 19 and 20. There's two ING words that fill out what it means to make disciples. Baptizing is the first one. Teaching is the other one. So who's the grammar people in the, in the house? Right, those are verbs. Good. And they're continuous. They keep on going, which means they aren't going to end. It's not baptize once or make a disciple once or teach once. It's ongoing. It's continuous. I was going to, I wanted to bring gum this morning for all the kids, and I apologize. I didn't have time to get to the store. Because I was going to give everybody gum and say, chew the gum and just keep chewing it. 
You ever chew gum? I don't know what's the longest any of us ever tried to chew a stick of gum. It's disgusting. But <laughs> the idea of these verbs that you, it's, you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. The, the plan is not going to change. This is his plan. So be it embracing it. It is baptizing and teaching. Baptizing and teaching. Those are the subcategories for how you make disciples. How do I do it? So let's look this morning at this going side of it first. I just want to talk about going. I'm talking about us just being a going people. Because this whole story, if you, as you read it, Everyone's running everywhere. Do you see that? There's going everywhere. So in verse 7, Jesus tells them, or the angels tell the girls to go quickly and tell his disciples that he'd risen from the dead. In verse 8, so they departed quickly. So these are just all those action words that I've circled in my Bible. So it's verse 7, go quickly. Verse 8, they departed quickly. Verse 10, Jesus says to them, go, go and tell. Verse 11, it says, while they were going. And then, of course, in verse 19, where he says, go therefore, and make disciples. So it's a, it's a going mission. We know that, right? It's one where we are active and we are out there. And we talk about it from the other perspective, from God's perspective, that he's also sending us. Like, God is a sending God. If you think about the attributes of God, one of them is that he is a sender. He sends people. And so in John 20, we're told that Jesus said to his disciples, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so now I am sending you. So our God is a sending God, and one of the things that you should identify yourself as is I'm, I am someone who has been sent. I'm, I've been sended. God's the sender. I'm the one who gets sent. And he says the same thing in John 17. You guys have heard this one before because he connects it to us here in 2022. He says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that's us. You were here this morning because you believe in Jesus through the disciples' word. And therefore, you are a sent one. So as you think about who you are in life, whether that's a father or a son, a daughter or a mother, uncle or an aunt, whatever your occupation is, on that list somewhere needs to be, I am also someone who has been sent. And this pattern has always been God's pattern. You can look as far back as our studies in Genesis, right? Abraham, God told him to go from his country. You can look at Isaiah. God says to him, who shall I send and who will go for us? You got Jeremiah. He says, God says to him, don't, don't think of yourself only as a youth, for to all, to all whom I will send you, you shall go. So he's sending Jeremiah. And then, of course, the story of Nineveh, right? Where he says to Jonah, go, go to Nineveh. So this is, this is I've said, you read your Bible. Your Bible has a storyline, a thread through it. And the thread is that God is rescuing people. He rescues them. And then he always brings them together in little people groups, little pockets, his people and then he sanctifies them. He gives them their mission. He tells them more about who he is. And then he sends them out to spread the word. And you read that everywhere throughout scripture. So we're just joining the storyline of the Bible. We are, we're, we're stuck between, I guess, the end of the book of Acts and Revelation. Revelation's still to come. Everything in Acts is ended. All the epistles are written. And we're living in the middle. We're part of the story. We're, we're part of it. We're part of what God's doing. And so we're sent ones, just like all the people in the Bible that we read about that were sent. We're right in the middle of that. We're part of the storyline as we see ourselves as redeemed people. We're gathered together so we can be sanctified and sent. So it's pretty cool. We're part of something big, something bigger than just our little lives. So God's ascending. He's ascending God. 
So your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to live each day as someone who is sent by God and to believe that there are no coincidences, that you're here in 2022 in Maryland, sent by God, and that every day he sends you different places so that you can be a representative of him. He's doing it. He's sending you all over. So now every place you go has at least two goals now. It's to go get milk and to also be a sent one, right? It's to go to tractor supply from where chicken feed and to go as a sent one. It's to go out for dinner, but also know you're being sent to a waiter or to a waitress. It's to go to work, but to know you're being sent to coworkers. It's to go to school, but to know you're being sent to classmates. Every day you're being sent. God is sending you, and he's sending you by how he arranged your life. He arranges your life to make sure that you're being sent to the places he wants you to be sent. So be ready for it. Be ready for it. Don't just think you're going somewhere. You're actually being sent somewhere. I can forget this too often. I wake up, and I'm like, gosh, I got to do today. And I forget to realize, no, I only get to do today what I'm going to do today because God sent me to do today what I'm going to do today. And I only see half of what he's going to do today, so I better be ready to see what he's going to do. Right? So let's think that way. All right, so there's the go side of it. And then Jesus jumps into this whole idea of baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and to the Holy Spirit. And here Jesus is probably talking about water baptism, but I think he's talking about more than water baptism. I think he's talking about that and more because the word baptize means to dunk or to submerge or to overwhelm someone with something. So you could say, again, I wish I had time to go to the store this morning. If I had a glass of milk and an Oreo, what do you do with milk and Oreos? You don't dunk them, you. You baptize them. <laughs> you baptize them. That's what you would say in their time. Or you could say, if, if, if somebody here, Kelly just started to really encourage me and really encourage me, I would say, wow, she's baptizing me in encouragement. I'm, being, I'm feeling overwhelmed with encouragement. That's another way the word is used. So if you, if you take, yes, Jesus is probably talking about water baptism, but I think he's also saying to us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, overwhelming people with the Father, overwhelming people with the Son, overwhelming people with the Holy Spirit. In other words, bring the presence of God where you go in such a way that people are just overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed with this presence that's in you. I mean, after all, you, you, you carry the presence of God in you. And that just should blow our minds. The Spirit of God dwells in you. And so we seek to be filled with the Spirit so we can walk in the Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit so that the people around us will be overwhelmed by the fruits of the Spirit that flow out of our lives. They'll experience the presence of the Trinity as we go about going to the places that he sends us each day. So embrace that this morning. That's why we say that we want to be a community of Spirit-filled disciples because we need his power we need his presence. We need him filling us. So when we go out, people aren't overwhelmed with you. Ever been there? <laughs> Any fun. <laughs> I want people to be overwhelmed with Jesus, not with me. And I know you do too. And so there's the mission. It's, it's I want to go out into the world and, and baptizing people, making them aware of the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit by how I live my life. And so your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go build relationships with the lost people that God sends you to, to love them in such a way that they're overwhelmed by the Trinity. That's a pretty cool mission. 
It's a little out of this world, is it not, to live on a mission like that? To love people with a love that can only come from God? So when you are in Walmart, waiting in line for everybody in front of you who is buying their chips for the football game, remember that you're sent there, you have the presence of the Trinity in you, and there could be people around you that have no hope and that are suffering, that are in trial. And you might be there to help them be overwhelmed with the presence of God. Sort of changes why we go to Walmart, doesn't it? When we remember, when I remember, it changes my trip to Walmart in a radical way. I know a lot of you guys are already doing this kind of stuff. And I'm just trying to cultivate more of it in you. Christine shared last Sunday what, what she does at a park. I do something, I go to the gym at least two or three times a week, and I have to check in at the counter. And when I do, I always stop to ask how everyone's doing. Not always. That's a lie. It's a lie to all of you. When I'm not in a rush, I stop. I say, how's everybody doing? And probably once or twice a month, someone will actually tell me how they're doing. And let's just say workout time is very short that day. But there's other days I just forget to do that. I want to help us not forget to do that. To forget there's, there real people are serving you where you go. Real people are around you. And to be able to take time to just ask, how are you doing? And to build relationships with them that way. Bring the presence, the compassion, the attentiveness of the Spirit to the places that you go. So there's the go side. And then we talk about one other way that Jesus did it that's significant, really significant. We know that Jesus loved to party. And so I want to just remind us of these things that we see. There's five passages of Scripture where Jesus is accused of doing something very horrible. Eating and drinking with people who don't, aren't religious, I guess is the best way to put it in his time. So here we go. Matthew 9. And when the Pharisees saw what Jesus was doing, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he do it? Matthew 11. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Luke chapter 7. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Luke 5. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus' mission strategy was party. It was food. It was eating and it was drinking. I don't know if you've ever wondered why God didn't have us re-energized but just going outside in the light and standing like this for half an hour, absorbing what we need and then we go about the rest of our day. Why do the food thing? Why do the mouth thing, the tooth thing, the taste thing, the textures thing? Why do it so that you mix two different kinds of foods together and it creates a whole new flavor and then we enjoy that? Why? Well, I think some of the reason is God is using that to build people together. It does something. I don't know what it is. Can't put my finger on it, but it does something. And so Jesus comes and his, his mission strategy is I'm going to get together with people that are sinners and I'm going to eat with them and I'm going to drink with them. I'm going to party with them. And as I party with them, I'm going to show them the Father's love and care. And so we've adopted 
as a church, this approach, I know we had some parties yesterday, a couple parties going on, where people gathered, had all their neighbors and stuff come, just to party together, to show them that Jesus is alive and real. Now, I'm not sure why, but it seems that the church often portrays Jesus as a party pooper, as a party killer. Uh, This came out yesterday so clear as we were doing axe throwing in Mount Airy. The very first person that came up to me, I wasn't even set up yet, and this person comes up to me. She goes, axe throwing, church. What What do they have to do with each other? And I said, oh, let me tell you what they have to do with each other. So, and a bunch of people, this is just one of many times where people are just like, what, what is going on? Like, their brain could not handle what was happening. And I thought, how sad. Like, can we not have fun? Like, having fun is not allowed or something. It just blew my mind. The whole thing blew my mind. And so talking with people, I say, well, you know, we believe that Jesus died not just to get us to party in heaven, but he died to set us free so we can party now. It's not like, don't have fun now because it's coming in heaven. It's no... I think he died to give us abundant life and have fun now. And so it's like, have fun now, and you're going to have more fun then. And it's all going to end in a party, right? A banquet, feast, like a wedding feast. That's where it's going. So let's just enjoy it now. Let's do many, many heavens now. Party now, preparing for it. So I think that's what pleases him. To, for us as a thrill party is a way of just showing we, we love people. We want to be with people. It's fun to be with people so that we can enjoy them. And notice that it doesn't end in Mount Airy. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations. And I know that that's hard, right? I don't know if you ever feel any level of, I do, low-grade guilt may be the wrong word, just a desire. I wish there was something I could do more for more people outside of Mount Airy. And that's hard to do. And we, we've tried to, we pray for them and do stuff like that. Um, but this morning, uh, Jim and Tess are going to come share. They're actually going to be going to Uganda in um, January. And so I wanted them to share briefly what they're going to do. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to steal all of it from Jim, but Jim has led trips to Uganda before when we were pastors together at Covenant Life. And so he and Tessa, you can come up, buddy, and Tessa, um, it, they're willing to take some people with them. And so they're going to share what they're going to be doing and see if any of you might feel called to join them on their trip. Good morning, friends, church family. I'm fired up, man. Good stuff. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it. Come into that. That's right. Um, Let's go to Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Let the nations be glad to the ends of the earth. I want to invite you all to just close your eyes. Everybody, just please close your eyes for a couple minutes. So in 2008, Tess and I were part of the first team from Covenant Life Church to serve our new friends in Uganda, Pastor Moses and his local church. We arrived in their village late at night, got off our bus, and complete darkness all around us. No lights, nothing, just darkness and utter darkness. Only thing we saw was smiles and joy as big as you can imagine. But this visible, complete darkness, you can keep your eyes closed, is also an illustration of a lot of spiritual darkness in the country. Um, Spiritual warfare, witchcraft, voodoo influence, demonic oppression abounds, all of it. And delivering people from poverty and, and deceit abounds also through prosperity gospel. Trying to do that. Deception abounds. You can open your eyes. Jesus said in John 4.35, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields that are white for harvest. And 
what we've witnessed in 15 years, you know, seeing different teams that have gone back, her parents, among many other people, have gone back, done different teams and different trips. We've witnessed fruit. We've seen things that have happened. We've seen uh, churches planted. You know, Pastor Moses, the main contact there that we got in contact with 15 years ago. We've seen churches planted, village churches, people saved, abounding fruit that's been happening and, and growing. You know, a, lot, a lot of things that God's been doing in the past 15 years. Um, I want to test share a little bit about what we're going to be doing. And I'll give you a little picture of that, and uh, we'll share a couple more minutes. And almost be done. Yeah, um, just kind of the point of us going is to strengthen churches, um, because that's how we believe God shares his gospel most, is through the church people who are there going and making disciples. So we want to go and support um, Pastor Moses' church in um, in western Uganda. It's a rural area, but we're also going to be in Kampala, the city, um, doing some city ministry, um, and we'll be going also, um, yeah, to, to new um, youth that are out there. Um, Pastor Moses has a youth conference that he hosts um, that has been on hold since the pandemic, so this is the first time that he's able to do it again, and for them, youth is anywhere from uh, high school to like 25, it's a lot, it's a lot of youth that come and often on feet, like they're walking to this conference. Like miles, days yeah. to walk there. Like um, and, and seasonally it makes sense to do it in January for their, their drought times and when the monsoon time comes. So we go and we support Moses, whatever Moses says to do, we go to support. And um, oftentimes he asks for us to share our testimonies, often he asks for preaching to happen on the fly, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, so uh, that's, that's kind of, um, yeah, just the heart that we'll be going is some city ministry and then some time um, in the rural areas, in the villages, some Bible study with uh, women in the different village churches, so yeah. Yeah, good stuff, babe. Yeah, and so just to reiterate, you know, the, the goal is, is not to come and impose our Western thinking, our Western ways, our churches that we know here. It's really to, to come alongside Moses, you know, brother, what do you want us to do? How can we serve? What can we do? And y'all may have heard the, the phrase TIA, this is Africa. Um, it, it, things happen there, spontaneity and things that aren't planned the way that we think planning is. And Moses will just say, yeah, and we're in a Sunday morning church. Jim's just going to get up and preach to us. I'm like, okay, no, no sermon, no preparation. Get up there and just read God's word. But that, that's the kind of stuff that happens. So there's, there's a bit of what we know we're doing and a bit of what we also just want to embrace as God's going to lead, his spirit's going to lead us and, and trust Moses. And again, come to just come alongside those, the, the churches there in him. Uh, we would love to take five people with us. There is an invite for that. And uh, the budget would be around 3000 to 3500 per person. Yeah, yes, to, clar yes, to clarify, so Tess and I and her parents, Paul and Mary Foster, and then JT's coming with us also. Uh, so that's five of us, but we can take five more people. If anybody wants to consider, pray about joining us. Again, we're going from January the 3rd, leaving the 3rd, coming back on the 18th. And um, yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're excited about it. We're grateful for the opportunity. And, and just know that, and we, we are planning, by the way, to self-fund. That's been our plan, but people have asked, hey, could we give? What can we do? If, if, if that's something that, of course, you're going to consider coming, let us know. And, and people that want to give, we could also point you to ways you could do that if, if the Lord would lead you that way. Um, but, yeah, it's, we're excited about it, grateful for the opportunity. And, and let me say one last thing real quick, Matt, if I could. Yeah. Um, a visible picture. I mentioned, the, you know, closing the eyes and, and the spiritual darkness. But something that profoundly affected me when we were there in 2008 
Pastor Moses, we, we ask him, what kind, of, what kind of practical needs, what could we do there that, that you really need help? Like, you know, practical needs, uh, things we could do to, to just in an ongoing way support you all. He walked, walked us down uh, to muddy, murky water, uh, basically a big pond that just looked disgusting. And there's people coming down from the village, buckets, there's kids, there's, there's women, and they're coming with these buckets, and they're getting water out of the nasty water, taking them back to their homes. And, and Moses uh, talked about the need for wells, for pure drinking water. And I, you know, I'm just trying to fight the emotion now, because when I was watching that, just seeing that need and seeing what we can't have a category for here, uh, a significant need. Thankfully, there's been wells that have been built and dug. We've, we've helped contribute, and things that have happened since those past 15 years that really praise God for that. But, you know, think about Jesus, the woman at the well, and drawing the water. And, of course, he beckons us, says, I have eternal water. I have water, living water, waters of life that I can give. So just the connection of the wells, they have physical need for water. And, of course, Christ gives the waters of eternal life through him. Amen. 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 Yeah, yeah. So if anybody is curious, find them after the gathering today. Ask them questions. Um, love to see five of us go and join you guys. So thank you. Thanks for leading us that way. Very good. What should I do? I think I'll stop. I'm going to stop and pray. I've got, I've got more, but I don't think it'll do us any good, and I'll just blend it in with what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're going to talk about how we grow together, about how we encourage each other, but I think we should just stop now, and let's just pause where we're at and just consider Uganda and Walmart, wherever God has sent us to, the people that God has brought into our lives. He... he, he, he he has you strategically placed in places for his purpose. He does. It's part of his plan. So what I'm going to do is I want to pray for us. I'm going to pray for that for you. Yeah, let me do that. Well, Father, we believe that you sent people to us, whether that was our parents, or whether that was a co-worker, whether that was a friend, some relative, that someone was sent to us to share the gospel with us, to hear that Jesus had conquered death, and then, Spirit, you met that proclaiming with your spirit so that we would be born again and changed forever. And we believe that you tell us clearly here in your word that now we, as ones who have been born again, get to now take by the power of your spirit, your mission forward by just loving people, loving people who don't know you yet. And so I ask right now, Father, that you would enliven in our hearts fresh faith and fresh joy, fresh courage for going maybe with a slight new zeal and intentionality 
to proclaim the excellencies of Christ, to, in a good way, overwhelm people with your presence by how we talk to them and how we love them and how we sacrifice for them. And so, Spirit, you have to do whatever little things you need to do in our hearts to get us to be in line with where you're sending us so that we don't miss the opportunities. And so do that. Fill us, Spirit. Even now, bring people to mind. Bring people to mind that you want us to love and pursue and serve and go to. And I pray you'd help us to be very aware that wherever we go, you're there with us and you probably have more in store than what we anticipate. So give us the ability to hear you speak and to have our eyes up so that we're responding to the things that you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.